Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison, as we look back at one of the most significant days in the sport's history, at least the last 20 years. We'll bring you all the fallout on the day the former Yorkshire cricketer, Azim Rafiq, gave evidence to the DCMS about racism at the county. And we ask, what now for Yorkshire, the ECB, and the sport as a whole? Over the course of the show, we'll hear some of Azim Rafiq's testimony, as well as some from former Yorkshire chair Roger Hutton, and the ECB Chief Executive Tom Harrison, as well as speaking live to former England batsman Oase Shah. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. Army, it's uh, been a day most of us uh, who, who watched and listened will never forget. Um, you've been intimately involved in, uh, in, in following the hearing and, and listening to Azim Ravik's testimony. You've had a couple of hours to digest it now. It'll take more than a couple of hours, but but what are your thoughts? Immense pride for Azim to do what he's done. A young man, I knew, I know yeah, enough about him personally. Uh, having played with him for 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 them three games or four games, I was at Yorkshire in the dressing room that he was talking about. Sadness about the the this, where he was in his life and where this game is at this moment in time. Embarrassment of the way I listened to the ECB in Yorkshire go about just bit, just common decency of looking after one of the somebody that played cricket for for them. You know, he was an employee of Yorkshire under the banner of, of the ECB, passing the book either way, back and forward when they spoke. And a lot of surprise and shock and horror at the way Azim Rafiq spoke about individuals and the collective organisation, which is Yorkshire County Cricket Club, uh, an organisation which I represented. So I was you know, the, the immense proud of, of, of how he spoke. I thought... You know, this this kid's been through a horrific ordeal and that could have been prevented right at the outset if Yorkshire had done their job properly and a duty of care and looked after this guy um, and, you know, others in that in, in, in and around that dressing room and in the system. So it's been a horrendous day for English cricket. I think it's been a horrendous day for cricket 
and uh, one that we'll eventually recover from. But I think when they say you have to go to the to rock bottom to get up and start sort of building blocks again, this is rock bottom. This is rock bottom for English cricket and the scandal that has been as in Rafiq. There's a, such a difference between sitting behind a microphone and, uh, and you know, working on, on radio and, um, and sitting in front of a committee like that and speaking. It was deeply intimidating. It was intimidating just watching it. Um, the courage that uh, he managed to muster and has done for the last 15 months. But to, to sit and answer questions for 90 minutes was extraordinary. I know that many people listening they won't have heard Azim Rafiq speaking live. So here's just a, a taste of, of uh, some of the things that, that he said and, and the abuse that he received at Yorkshire. Pretty early on, um, me and other people uh, from Asian background, there was comments such as, you lot sit over there near the toilets, um, elephant washers, uh, the word is used constantly. And there just seems to be an acceptance in the institution um, from the leaders and no one, no one ever stamped it out. To be honest, uh, all I wanted to do is play cricket and play cricket for England and live my dream and live my family's dream. My first instance uh, of drinking, I actually got pinned down at my local cricket club um, and red wine got poured down my throat. How old were uh, you? 15. 15, you're a Muslim, 15. 15, 15. year old, um, I got um, literally uh, down my throat, um, the player, Played for Yorkshire, played for Hampshire, um, and yeah, it was quite a experience. Um, I didn't touch, um, I didn't touch alcohol till about around 2012, um, and around that time, I felt like I had to do that to fit in. Like I said, I, I regret that massively, um, but again, I would like it has no bearings on the things that I was called. Um, constant use of the word um, in 2017 pre-season tour we were in a in a place and Gary Balance walks over and goes why are you talking to him you know he's a um, or he's not a shake he's got no oil and this happened in front of teammates it happened in front of coaching staff uh, we were on a bus trip uh, in London to Surrey game and we went past a couple of men with beard and it was like oh is that your dad if we go past a corner shop or does your uncle own this? And this happened in front of, again, Martin Moxon, Andrew Gale, uh, club officials, and it would never got stamped out. Everyone saw it. Uh, but because the institution and the environment, it becomes such a norm in there that um, I don't think anyone thought there was anything wrong with it. Look, it's a cricket professional sport, dressing room culture, if you can call it that, it is... Um, it exists in different sports in, in different parts of the world. There are in things like initiation ceremonies and there's this kind of culture that young players get it tough and they've got to clean the boots of the senior players. And I mean, I think it's the whole thing is, is kind of outdated. But when you hear Rafiq talk about having alcohol forced down his throat, you know, as a, as a 15-year-old, do, do we just need to, to re-look at the whole way that, we have this kind of senior, junior player um, ethos, Harmy. I mean, it'd be lovely to think the world's moved on now. Yeah, and it, it would. Um, and I think when you look back at what Azim said and saying about you know, the, the racism stuff and the bullying and the culture, that is Yorkshire County Cricket Club. You, know, you mentioned about the, the red wine at a 15-year-old. 
it it is what he was going for. You know, there's there's names. I, I sat and listened to the to the young man who he didn't really want to call individuals out. He was trying to put his point across about Yorkshire being the problem, ECB being the problem. And I think part of that culture is sometimes manners that clubs have had a tradition of you know senior players with junior players of you know when I first when I first started playing some of the first class grounds you were going to and the opposition you were going to had two different dressing rooms. They had a first team dressing room or a senior player dressing room and a, and a junior dressing room. Um, and I think that was across the board. You know, even you know, when it comes to salaries, you know, you had to be a cap player to get to a certain point. I just look at this, this whole sort of sorry situation and I don't think it's sport. I don't think it's cricket. I don't think it's sport. I think it's society. Society has a problem, I think. And, and until we get close to sort of moving that forward, then the knock-on effect will go into sport or go into workplace. It'll go into to other avenues where people will be bullied, yeah, racist and discriminative. So I get a bit annoyed when people say it's sport because it's not sport. I think it's society. It's really interesting as well um, to hear Rafiq illustrating just how commonplace racist language and racist behaviour was. Uh, He's almost making excuses for those who didn't engage in it, but didn't call it out either. At one point, he said that he was pretty confident that Joe Root definitely would have heard racist abuse that he was subjected to during their time in the Yorkshire change room together. Yeah, and I think that we've got to be clear as well um, when we sit here and we talk about what we've just heard and what we've just witnessed, um, that there's two sides, three sides, many sides to ever-evolving story. Um, Michael Vaughan, somebody who I know very, very well, inside out, call him more than a close friend. He's denied categorically saying what he said. We've seen the, the video of the huddle inside at Trent Bridge. Um, make your mind up of what you do with that. They were smiling, laughing faces. Rana was giggling at one point. Vaughan went and shook all four hands of, of all four Asian players. And when you look at the extract of his book, which was which was published about six, six weeks later, eight weeks later after he had retired, he says how proud he was. This was a pivotal moment in Yorkshire cricket because it was a rec- you know, four, four Asian players, record that they were representing the county. He was the first non-Yorkshire-born player to represent Yorkshire. So it's not a case of wanting to believe one or wanting to believe the other. I look at the character of, of, of my, my former teammate, and if he says, and until somebody proves me wrong, I will look at Michael Vaughan in the same way as I always have done. You know? and, and that, whether, whether I get criticised for that or, or not, or make a headline for that or not. And I think you have to, and the same with Joe Root, you know, Joe Root, if he turns around and says he didn't hear anything being said, well, then you've got to believe him. He was he's, he's England captain and you've got to believe him until somebody proves that's not the case. Then then I think you have to go with what these guys are saying. And the thing that Azim Rafiq said about that is, well, maybe Joe Root didn't want to hear anything. So I, I can only go off what I have seen. But I'd also like to think if Joe Root says what he said, and Michael Vaughan categorically denies he said it, then until somebody proves it different, then I think we've got to believe both sides of the stories that's there. It was very interesting that George Dobell, who broke this story originally and has spoken to us several times on the, on the um, collective here, 
revealed that on the morning the story was going to be broken, um, Azim Rafiq called him at 6 a.m. in the morning and attempted to ensure that George was able to ask Yorkshire or, or through whatever channels to ensure that um, Gary Balance received the support that he felt he would need once the story was broken. So for anybody who says that Azim Rafiq is looking for revenge or retribution, just, you know, bear that in mind. This- as well as that, man, he also, he didn't, he didn't say a lot sort of information-wise when he was in front of the Select Committee. But the Select Committee have published the 59-page document of, of his testament. So that's not Rafiq's fault. Azim Rafiq has been asked by, by the MPs to have a document, uh, to, to give his evidence. He's given it. They have published. Whether it's right or wrong, they've published it. And now whoever has an answer to, you know, questions to answer, they'll be, be, be trialed by media. Um, and I thought Azim Rafiq spoke about the individuals, you know, really, really well. He, he, he did. And he and he's more worried about Yorkshire and what's happening at Yorkshire than he was about the individuals. Okay, um, just to close this section, um, this was Azim Rafiq talking about Gary Balance, uh, describing all people of colour as Kevin. Kevin was something Gary used uh, to describe everyone of colour in a very derogatory manner, whether that be publicly, uh, whether that be within the dressing room, whether that be opposition. This is an open secret within the England dressing room. This is anyone that's come across Gary uh, would know that that's a phrase he used to describe people of colour. It was used in a derogatory manner all the time. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll hear from ECB Chief Executive Tom Harrison, and we'll be joined live by former England batsman O.A. Sharp. Next up, we'll discuss how badly Yorkshire have handled this situation and hear from their former chair, Roger Hutton. This is a watershed moment. I want to make this the best county cricket club in the world, not just for cricket, but actually for having the right culture and having the right values going forward. And absolutely, I would like to be the template that goes forward. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the great Steve Harmison as we continue to discuss the fallout from the Azim Rafiq case that happened in front of the DCMS panel on Tuesday. Well, um, it, it, as we've mentioned in the first part, it was 90 minutes of, uh, of compelling and important, in equal measure, testimony from um, Azim Rafiq. He was asked, um, and this will give you an idea of, of just how difficult it was, how difficult it's been for him coming forward with these allegations. I've got a bit of Karachi and a bit of Banza in me. Um, I, I know that the pain that I went through for them, a few months. No one can ever, ever put me through that pain again. Um, I had an interview uh, about my new business. I got asked a question and I got emotional. I said everything. Um, even at that point, I genuinely thought that there might be some humanity left in some of these individuals, but no. It was. The initial response was, well, he's not talking about Yorkshire. He hasn't mentioned them. Um, then it was. Um, it was just all about discredit, discredit, discredit. I don't know how I've done it. 
I really don't. Azim Rafiq, um, reflecting on how difficult it's been for him, Harmi. At one point, he, he says that uh, his two young children, um, having already explained that he and his wife had lost a child, um, his, the two young children they have now, and they are young kids, had basically been without a father for 15 months, while his greatest concern was Yorkshire County Cricket Club attempting to discredit him. I mean, you, you don't need to have had kids to be moved by that. It's really hard to, to swallow. It was. It was. And when you look, a lot of that, man, as the 90 minutes of it was was very, very difficult to, to swallow. I, I said before, I had a, a brief passage in, 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 in the life of Azim Rafiq. Um, and when you see somebody you've had an experience with, you feel a little bit more connection with him and wholeheartedly sorry. And uh, sitting there to hear his voice the way it was and to talk about his children, to talk about what happened to him the day after um, he buried his, buried his son was something that really surprised me. And it really did, in a, in a way, with Martin Moxham. Uh, Martin Moxham was Durham coach for, for, for quite some time. Um, and then he went back to, went back to Yorkshire Martin Moxon, a father himself, I thought well, I had a bit more uh, empathy with with Azim, and especially the way Azim spoke. And like I said before, you know, everybody's got a right to reply, and we haven't heard what Martin has had to say on this subject. But when he says, you know, I'm explaining to my family and, and talking to my, my kids, say that they haven't had a father for 15 months because an organisation which he represented is trying to discredit him, I think is a disgusting. I think it's a disgrace. And that, for me, like you said before, you know, fathers, both fathers, you've got your children on one side who you want to protect and do everything for, but you've also got your children on the other side who you have to keep fighting to protect your credibility for. And I've followed, obviously, on social media, I've followed Azim for, for the 15 months now, and he has never let this go. And he has been so determined. And I just wonder... If the if the MPs hadn't got involved in this, would Azim still be fighting that fight? And that for me is a, that for me is is the biggest worry about this whole sorry sorry saga. Well, that's exactly what uh, the former chair Roger Hutton, who was only chair for eighteen months, around eighteen months, he admitted that um, exactly as you said, he was prompted by the MPs and said, "Where where do you think you would be, Yorkshire County Creek Club would be, if we hadn't intervened?" Um, and he admitted that um, he didn't know, but the mess would almost certainly still exist. Um, he also admitted at one point that uh, the club's executives uh, didn't or, or don't see the severity um, of the situation. W what did you make of, of his testimony in, in general? I mean, he was also pushed uh, to answer the question about whether he believed Yorkshire County Cricket Club to be institutionally racist and he he hedged around it a little bit before the mp prompted him and said i think you're saying yes aren't you and he said i think it falls under that description so yeah um, it, it was hard manners it was hard to watch if azim rafiq spoke brilliantly powerfully and emotionally yorkshire and ecb were complete 360 opposite they were the other way and i i thought ECB didn't do themselves any good. I thought Yorkshire, I thought they did themselves a bit better than ECB, but not, not very good. The chairman is through everything at Mark Arthur and 
I think Martin Moxon, uh, in their their camp, which I found that strange because the chief executive works for the chair. So if the if the chair if the CEO wasn't doing his job properly and you know whether he was weak, being manipulated by other other members of either the board or coaching staff or management staff, that the chief exec was weak not to 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 sort of deliver on his promise of being you know the man in charge and looking after everybody under his remit, which was the players, then the chairman's got to come under some criticism as well. And I think the, the chairman of the select committee, actually, after he spoke to Roger Hutton, then spoke to the ECB and more or less asked the ECB, is he lying in one of his statements? And I think the ECB more or less said that Roger Hutton wasn't exactly truthful with what, what was said because they wanted the organ- they wanted the investigation stopped. How can you possibly stop this investigation? You know, and it's just one lump in your throat moment after another lump in your throat moment uh, and another again and again and again for the next hour and a half after you had just listened to a, a young man just pour everything out powerfully um, on how badly he was treated and that, like he's just it's it's been one mess after another for me from Yorkshire and ECB well this was uh, what Hutton had to say about how the club needs to change I believed that the uh, the club's culture was stuck in the past uh, I, I think the club's culture needs changing uh, I, I didn't see that my resigning uh, would be uh, the way of changing that culture in August I thought that my best way of changing it was trying to change it from within mm. until it became apparent that I was no longer able to do that. Azim Rafiq was was brilliant. This is him on his return to Yorkshire for a second spell. To be honest, uh, start of 2016, I started really well. Uh, I was training with Derbyshire. They didn't have, um, they didn't have the finances to offer me a, a contract. Um, and I was in a position where putting food on the table was really difficult and I genuinely had no other option but to go um, and try and fulfil not only my dream but my family's dream and that's just the honest why I went back Um, but more importantly I think I was in denial right up to 2017. Just quickly Harmi, um, it's quite clear that Yorkshire tried to to cover this up Um, and it seems like they've swept a lot of things under the carpet. Um, they didn't want uh, this to be released. They thought it would go away and they kept thinking it would go away and they kept believing that they were in control of a situation and whereas in fact they were just in complete denial, it seems. So they don't have international cricket. Um, there are sanctions being imposed upon them. But they, as Roger Hutton says, they need to change from the inside. There's no point finding them. Yeah, there's not, and I and I and I don't get that. What's you know the point? The point of fine and taking cricket away from them, potentially ruining their business, and they go out of business. Then we haven't got a strong Yorkshire. You know, we've got to try and get Yorkshire back to the powerhouse they are from a cricketing point of view by educating people from the top, and that is going to be the most difficult thing that you you you're going to have to do. And Lord Patel, I thought you spoke very well last week. And he's got a difficult job to, to, to manage this situation, fresh start, get a, a belief back into Yorkshire that they're doing the right thing and going the right way. Um, and it's going to take a lot of goodwill and a lot of help from the community 
and the, the biggest community in Yorkshire, the Asian community, to try and get them back in a position that they trust Yorkshire County Cricket Club again. Now, from a punishment point of view, you know, I've said, you know, fine and, and taking international cricket, that's going to harm, you know, the long term because they're not going to have the financial resources, but they have to be accountable for what they've actually done. Durham County Cricket Club, my club, you know, the financial regulation, the regularities a few months, a few years ago, nearly put Durham out of business. We got relegated. They got international cricket taken away from them. But what, so where does Yorkshire's put, where does Yorkshire's punishment come under? If that was so severe and everybody thought Durham was hard done by, what's going to happen to Yorkshire? Because this is just, this is no, it's not even close to being what happened at Durham County Cricket Club. And that for me is where, that's the process that needs to be started first. This is where they're at. Lord Patel gets his team in, the board in, and he gets into the community and says, trust us. We, we are going to change. We are going to make this change. And we need it. English cricket needs a strong Yorkshire because a strong Yorkshire is a strong England. But at this minute in time, there's not many people are going to trust Yorkshire County Cricket Club. And that is something they need to build from the bottom and go and hopefully go again by making some changes. And that, for me, would be at the top. Just what, what do you make of Azim's saying that Yorkshire were attempting to discredit him? The rumours and the, and the viperous allegations that you know he was a troublemaker and he was a bully and you know they weren't really attributed to anybody they just sort of seemed to to leak out it seemed to be a cynical deeply cynical part of the cover-up process is that the way you read it yeah absolutely 100 percent i've mentioned a few times that people have a right to reply on the on what they've been accused of but in this situation I think this has been a, a whole organisation of people who have, de- have decided that we are, we are going to stay together as a, a unit. And some of the stuff, you know, from inside of it has been horrendous. And we're going to make sure that this guy, this kid is, you know, he's got away. You know, we, we need him to disappear. And testament to Azim and others, you know, George DeBell and others who have stood up and kept this fight going. And like we said, right at the top of this section, if it wasn't for the MPs getting involved and the committee that they've spoken front of today, then I can I would have seen this still rumbling, rumbling on. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And next, we'll discuss what the ECB needs to do to make significant change. And we'll hear from their chief executive, Tom Harrison. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelize Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can always download the podcast via the following on feed, available on the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Harmi, the ECB sent a, a four-person delegation to um, speak to, uh, to answer the questions of the DCMS. Tom Harrison, the chief executive, uh, appeared to want to read a statement to uh, open to open their appearance and he was um he was shot down um the mp said sorry sorry you're here to answer our questions you're not coming here to make a statement how how do you think um the mr harrison and the ecb performed or came across today no not very well like uh, uh, said a bit earlier about yorkshire it was as if it was one organization who thought you know, they, were, they were too big to be taken down. And the eagle that was Yorkshire, well, move over and bring four other ones in because they thought their ego was even bigger. And at one point, I thought I was watching an episode of the Chuckle Brothers. I don't want to, I, I thought, right, I'm not going to make any light, any light-hearted comments in this show because it is so serious about it. But at one point, I thought I was watching an episode of the Chuckle Brothers because they were just going from me to you. That was it. It was me to you. They just deflected. It was, you know, the lawyer said one thing, and then Tom Harrison came in and then jumped in. And then he, when he got a bit stuck, he threw it back to the lawyer. And then it was at one point, there, were, there was at one point, they were trying to bounce between two of them that wasn't Tom Harrison. And the MP, um, you know, the chairman is straight in, bang. No, no, you either answer or your boss answers. And I thought the ECB, they wouldn't have been underprepared. Couldn't have been. You know, this great organisation that's, yeah, you know, it's involved with large sums of money that you know run our our game. I just thought they were just too arrogant. They thought they were too big for this. They shouldn't you know, be. I don't think they understood this. For me, they understand the severity of what was actually coming to them, and that is worrying from a leadership point of view out of our game. I might be wrong. I might be spec. I might be saying some seeing things that I didn't that that didn't happen. I just looked. We looked an amateurish organization, and the man at the top didn't didn't give the answers he, he should have because when you look at it, man, it's, you know, the, there was no leadership in this whatsoever. And for somebody to say, one of the MPs to say, I don't know cricket, but do you think the ECB is fit for purpose? I thought that was quite alarming because what I was watching, she, I'm not saying she had a point, but she, you know, she was, uh, I think she was right to ask that question. It's funny, I've always thought of Tom Harrison as a bit of a politician himself, but it was uh, funny watching him being grilled by, by the real thing. You just you sort of, I'll never think of him as a politician again. Uh, um, but I often wonder as well about how concerned he, he is and various other chief executives about litigation. I mean, the former chair of Yorkshire had just admitted that Yorkshire was institutionally racist. Tom Harrison gets asked whether he thinks it's institutionally racist and he refuses to answer the question. Just tell the truth. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. This is your time, Tom Harrison, to go and tell the world that Yorkshire have got this wrong. The former chairman has said yes to the question of institutionally racism. So you've got your chance to, to basically set, set the tone of, right, that's it. You know, we start from rock bottom and you move forward. But it is for, for just sitting on a fence and not saying a great deal. I, I just thought it was poor. ECB were, I thought every every single member of that panel, I thought, you know, people looking at, people looking from the outside, looking at cricket, you know, they've spent a huge amount of money to get the 100 over the line, largely down to Tom Harrison. You know, broadcast everything that goes with it, probably why he was brought in. And the participation and the, the, the you know, the viewing of, of cricket this year has, you know, the numbers have jumped through the roof. If they're sitting watching this, this, this committee grill the, the governing body and think, right, this is why I want to get involved in cricket. I want to sort of, I've enjoyed the hundred. I want to, I want to know more about what's going on. You've got four people sitting there who couldn't answer a thing, didn't want to answer a thing, deflecting it either side. I think they've just every, all the good work they did and getting new people to watch the game of cricket in the 100 in the summer has just gone out the window because our leaders weren't in a position to lead. It suddenly occurred to me, I want to ask you a wider question about education. People talk about, about education. People need to be educated. And I know a lot of people who don't know what that means, how to be educated. I'll give you a very small example. I've got two very good friends, one black, one white. And they affectionately refer to each other by very derogatory racist um, nicknames. They are the best of friends. They've grown up together uh, and they have these, these names for each other. And I, I took them on about, about using them. And they said, well, we've, we've been best mates since we, since we were kids. And I said, but you, you call each other those names in public and strangers who you don't know hear that and think it's okay. So that's just one tiny bit of um, example of, of education. The ECB needs to show a lead here, don't they? They need, to, they need to explain to and really get players, get associations, get administrators to understand it's not banter. Yeah, and again, 100%. And I think that is something that Gary Balance was trying to throw his counter-argument back towards Azim Rafiq. Um, and that was that that was even more frustrating. But, you know, that's where you know, Rafiq said, you know, the coaches were listening to this. The captain was listening to this. You know, the director of cricket was listening to this. And they were laughing at it. You know, put it down as banter. And I think that is, the game's changed, society's changed, and lots changed uh, in the world that, you know, from an education point of view, Manners, I do think there is a huge problem in the middle level of educating people, of trying to make it, you know, inclusive for 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 everybody in, involved, from juniors all the way through to the to the senior level. But when it comes to the banter you're talking about, racism is racism. It's got no grey areas. It's not for a discussion. It's not for debate. It is wrong. Discrimination is wrong. And until, you know, we get until a lot of people get their heads around that, then society will not move forward. So what chance has sport got? 
let's hear a bit uh, for those who didn't haven't heard from him. Let's hear a bit of uh, Tom Harrison's testimony from today. The reason why um, we didn't step into this investigation right at the start is because of the complex role that the ECB plays in relation to uh, being national governing body, and we've sent the, the, the panel a. a a sheet of that uh, explaining that role. We are the national governing body, we are the promoter, we are also the regulator. And on regulatory matters, it is, uh, it is normal practice for first-class counties uh, to take on investigations uh, in, that, they want to, that they want to take on uh, at their will. Uh, it is then for the regulator, in other words the ECB, to sit in judgment of that uh, investigation and, if need be, run a, uh, an additional investigation on top. On this occasion, our pastor, Mr Botros, who is our head of legal and integrity, was in intensely involved in the uh, negotiations at the time. Uh, Yorkshire were very clear that they wanted to run this investigation themselves. I think the handling of the report, the handling of it, indicates there are some some certain issues around institutional racism at Yorkshire, the handling of the report. I would agree with that. Well, the content? Content, surely. I think the content talks to culture and the culture of the game, which is, you know, needs to be okay. thoroughly dealt with across more dressing rooms than just Yorkshire County Cricket Club, as, as we've heard through testimony this afternoon. Just to be clear, when Mr Hutton said earlier on, when he, he assented to the proposition that Yorkshire is an institutionally racist organisation, are you agreeing with that or not agreeing with that? I'm saying that the handling of the... Of the and I heard you say that just now, but I'm, not asking, I'm asking you whether you agree with what Mr Hutton said, that, that you, when he agreed that he felt that Yorkshire was... Cricket, I think I asked him, is Yorkshire County Cricket Club institutionally racist? And he ultimately said yes. Do you agree with that? I, I agree that the handling of the report indicates issues around That's, institutional uh, racism. You know, That's you're as far now, as I'm prepared to You're go. obviously not going to answer my question as to whether you agree with what Mr Hutton said. You either agree with him or you don't agree with him. And I, I understand what you said about the culture of it. You don't agree with him, do you? That it's, I, I, That's I think, what you're saying. As I said, I think the handling of the report speaks to institutional racism. I think any reasonable person would determine for that exchange that you don't fully agree with Mr Hutton and would I be wrong to draw that conclusion? I think I've made my position. That was uh, ECB Chief Executive Tom Harrison. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 and in the final part we'll uh, hear live from former England batsman Oase Shah. I think we've all learnt some very key lessons from this experience and uh, indeed the mishandling of this investigation. Reforming our governance process, reforming our regulatory process happen all the time. Right? We're always trying to get better and we're always trying to be more thorough. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And I'm delighted to say, as promised, we're joined live by former England batsman Oase Shah. Oase, I, I don't know how much of today's proceedings you, you were able to follow and how much of the news uh, you've been able to catch up on. I mean, it's, uh, it's still hot off the press, um, but you, you will have heard, obviously. Um, what are your, your thoughts and reactions on the day's events? Yeah, I was really shocked. I actually managed to watch the bulk of the hearing on today with what's happened. And yeah, I just want to say I'm pretty shocked at some of the stuff that's come out, uh, especially the way I think Yorkshire have dealt with Bration. 
Um, I think that episode, I mean, put racism aside, how um, Rafiq got dealt with uh, by the coach the day after he buried his dead son. I think that was pretty shocking. Regardless, that's got nothing to do with colour. That's just... That, for me, was pretty shocking. Uh, but also, obviously, how Yorkshire have gone about the whole whole uh, thing to to find out exactly what's going on, find a solution, and then move on from the whole thing so that there isn't another Azim Rafiq episode. I think, for me, that's pretty important. Um, I've got a son um, who plays cricket has come out. It makes me think, well, he might have a rocky road <laughs> In his future, and I don't want that. I don't. I certainly don't. I, you know, I encourage my kids to play cricket, but I don't. I certainly don't want to want some my son to deal with that kind of stuff. So I think that's pretty important for ECB, PCA, Yorkshire Cricket Club, all the cricket clubs around England uh, to make sure this sort of episode doesn't happen. Um, I think the BLM movement came in in about what 18, 20 months ago, and I, you know that sort of picked up momentum and. We are all aware of what's happening in the world. And all of a sudden now we've been hit by this. Some shocking revelations. Um, and I'm also a little bit shocked how much of perhaps CB and the PCA. I know PCA pride themselves on, um, you know, supporting its players. I think that's really important. They've been very good at things like that. So to, to hear things like that, that they haven't been able to support Azim is a little bit alarming. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty gobsmacked at what the kind of stuff has come out uh, but for me it's about how and what happens now um, how do we make a change in cricket and I, I think the, the bigger picture is how do we make a change in society I think that yeah, the, for me is key yeah you mentioned the society bit and you mentioned the, the, the sort of Black Lives Matter issue that came out about 20 months ago and there was a lot of people I'll say that you know ticking boxes and you know and, and questioning are people really open and honest and happy to move forward and when you hear about what Azim's gone through with Yorkshire and the ECB does it surprise you at all? <laughs> Am I surprised about what's happened you know I have heard a lot of stuff that's gone on with Yorkshire and obviously with God that yeah he was at fault for using the derogatory derogatory term with Azim, yeah, it doesn't surprise me to a certain extent. However, what surprises me, Hani, is how are people able to get away with it? For me, the, the yeah. problem lies is a player shouldn't be able to get away with that. So then you look at the hierarchy, the committees that run the club, the CEOs, the directors of cricket, the coach. Those people should not allow a culture where you can call someone the P word and say, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's a bit of banter. No, mate, that doesn't work like that. Because then you could start calling the, the black guys the N-word. Oh, it's okay, it's banter. Well, no, mate, it's not banter. It just can't be banter. That just cannot, mate, that is not banter. Let's just not go there. This, um, you're making someone feel the colour of their skin. And, can't be and I've right. shared a lot. Oh, yes, I've shared a lot of dressing rooms with you actually playing for England, but also in retirement as well with the PCA. And come on to the PCA in a second. But have you experienced... Um, you mentioned about your son, you know, talking about it, going into cricket if he if he became good enough. Have you experienced things that you would you wouldn't want your son to experience? Yeah, look, I experienced racism at school. Um, I mean, it was very blatant then. I, I remember that was how it was. Nothing really ha got anything done about it. Well, I, I've never been uh, called the p word in cricket to my face. Whether I've had 
uh, subconscious bias against me? I don't know. Uh, but to my face, no. I have not experienced anyone uh, calling me. The, um, but it's not about what I've experienced. I think it's more about Azim has experienced people he mentioned that have reached out to him from a couple of counties. Funny enough, I played at Middlesex and Essex. Those guys are obviously not confident enough to come out for whatever may reason, and I, and I don't blame them. But they're and that shows that things are resonating with them. That you know what they're going, they have experienced similar kind of stuff. So it does seem to be existing, and we need to stamp that out now because they're existing now. I stopped playing professional cricket eight years ago now. That's a long time in cricket, I think. Uh, but these kind of guys, Razim's played what in the last four, four years. But you know, so it's more of a recent term of events. What's happened? So it looks like it's very much there now. I deal with it. We need to we need to find a fix for this. Anyway. Always, um, with Mo and Ali and Adil Rashid being at the forefront of England's success in in recent years. Um, this is uh, it's extraordinary to think that there are so many battles and problems and, and racist attitudes holding back Asian players. What can be done? What needs to be done? I mean, I, you know, you can you can punish people you can take cricket away from from yorkshire and from from headingley you can you can have retributive measures but you that doesn't change hearts it does i think we need to do something to change the society which i think will, will then i think start things will start trickling down into the, our sport or change things in sport and then that will have a knock-on effect on society i really don't really have the answers mate but I, I really do feel that something has to be done, maybe to a start off with, maybe at the at the cricket level, uh, where uh, where you you have the who run cricket cl- clubs. It's a well known fact. Uh, we have CEOs. Whether we ha- put people in place so that um, everybody gets a fair crack of the whip, so that there's no bias, uh, because you've got a different colours that. Perhaps that's the way forward. Or, to be honest, I don't really have an answer to that. New, uh, I'm not a fixer for the society, <laughs> but that's what I can come up with. It's a little early um, with the wounds so still so so fresh um, after Azim's testimony today. It's a little premature to to look at what good may come of this. It was a very intense and emotional testimony for for ninety minutes. At one point, though. He said perhaps it was destiny, perhaps it was his fate not to have a cricket career, a playing career, that perhaps it was somehow um, his destiny to, to go down this route to make life better for his, his son and, and for future generations of, of Asian players. Do you think we will look back at today as a, a seminal moment, a change for the better? I think the ECB, I think all the counties together, opportunity right now to make a difference so that we do look back and think, you know what, we're glad that Azim Rafiq stood up and he actually make a change for people of colour. Forget people of Asian descent or black descent, doesn't matter. It's a fact that there's, the issue is racism. You are better than X because your colour tone is different. That that issue right there is what the problem is. And I think ECD have a great opportunity to stamp it out. Why are we 
not doing that. I want to see more action rather than words. Taking knees and stuff, which is great. Yeah, it's a great job. We're actually doing what is the action? What are we actually going to put into place so that there isn't another Azim Rafiq episode? That's the bit that's disturbing. That a guy could be driven to the verge of, you know, he was talking about taking his own life. I mean, that's serious. Uh, a laughing matter. I'm afraid. It was former England batsman O.A. Shah joining us live. Um, Harmi, a massive amount to process, obviously. And I said earlier that um, it'll take more than a couple of hours and more than a couple of days. I think uh, we'll still be learning lessons from today and, and from the last, uh, well, some will say decades um, of uh, prejudice. But um, what, what can we learn from today? Just sum it up for us. Um, I think we can learn from today that cricket still has a problem. Um, I was asked this morning by Simon Jordan, you know, from about was it or is it? And I would say it is still a problem. I think where we go from here is we go forward. We can't go any further back. We can't. It's not possible. I think we have to give the right of reply to the people who have been accused or have been implicated in this and trust and believe what they say and their side of stories. And I think we have to have a balanced side of it. And then, you know, they have to have an open conversation with themselves and with others to make sure that this doesn't happen again. We don't have another Azim Rafiq. I just, I just hope that we can move forward from it and get better. I hate the cliche we learn from it because that's the biggest load of nonsense that I've ever, ever heard because it just comes off the, it comes off the tongue and nobody really, you know, nobody really means it. Well, we have to mean this time. The cricket needs to mean this time. This is the biggest thing I've seen since Hansi Kronje, scandal-wise, in cricket. And I think until that, until we start educating people that you know inclusion is everything, then we will not go forward. I think we've had a powerful statement from a powerful young man here. Um, and this has to be a watershed moment of, of English cricket, because if it doesn't, I fear for what's going to happen in the future. Excellent. Thank you very much once again, mate. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week, but this has been The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And by the way, Australia won the T20 World Cup. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 